we all have good wolf, we all have bad wolf, we've all done things that we're not proud of. Um, we all have limiting thoughts about ourselves. We've all made mistakes. And so I think, you know, when people start to, to seek out healing or, you know, personal development, more oftentimes than not, they feel different. So just remember you're not different and that you are supported. Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Belly Don't Eat Your Feelings podcast. I'm your host and health coach, Ellie Rome. So for those of you new to this podcast, welcome. My name's Ellie. I'm a former chemical engineer, gone holistic health and emotional eating coach after decades of a sugar addiction, binge eating, and a really toxic relationship with food. Ended up developing a bunch of health issues. I was gaining a bunch of weight and I was doing everything I knew conventionally to do to keep it off, essentially starving myself and then binging. And I went to a bunch of doctors about all these health symptoms I was having, was just handed prescriptions for different things. No one was asking why. I finally discovered functional nutrition and mindfulness tools, and it completely transformed not only my physical body and got my health back, but also was the start of a complete transformation in in mindset. And that's what so much of what this work is, is not just eat this, not that, it's really, it's about waking up to ourselves and getting off of autopilot to cultivate curiosity and compassion towards yourself for lasting transformation. And that's why I'm so excited for this episode to have on here, Hallie Love. Hallie is my yoga teacher. So for those of you who don't know, I also, I teach yoga and I have my 200 hour and I'm going for my 500 hour with Hallie and Hallie lives in Costa Rica and she is just a wealth of knowledge. She is so passionate about what she does and is a genuine practitioner of what she preaches. And that's why it's so fun to be in yoga training because her passion just comes through. And she's got so much experience in so many different modalities. Hallie has logged over 40,000 hours of yoga teaching experience and 26 years of experience in the yoga and wellness industry. She is certified as a holistic lifestyle coach as well as studied Ayurveda, hypnotherapy, various styles of yoga, pranayama, meditation, anatomy and physiology, emotional healing and yoga therapy, traditional Chinese medicine theory, and just like I could go on and on. And she's, um, she's a wealth of knowledge and, and just such a beautiful person and beautiful soul. And in this podcast, one of the biggest takeaways I hope that y'all take away is the power of the pause. I'm just really starting this process of self-discovery. And there's just so much power in that when we can start creating time for reflection, getting really curious about our, our own patterns versus judging them and just hating on ourselves to keep falling in the same traps or same patterns that are destructive to step back, become the observer and to, to get really curious about what's going on. And then, and Hallie gives us really practical tools that you can start implementing now, check-ins, ways to to start the self-discovery process. All right. And before we jump into the interview, I do want to let y'all know about the upcoming Mindful Belly 21 Day Reset. So many of you know that I lead these quarterly group resets and they are possibly my favorite thing in the universe because it's like all of the things I love, I get to do and share and just be in these groups that are the best energy. And so what this is, is 21 days with me, I'll be coaching you through a holistic functional nutrition protocol to reduce inflammation, lose weight, boost your energy in a really sustainable way. So my goal for you is that after these 21 days that you are not reverting back to your old way of being, that you feel so good and want to keep going. And that is the biggest feedback I get from people who go through these resets is that they're like, Ellie, I want to keep going. And I'm like, yes, please keep going. And so it's awesome. And it's really learning about your own body, what's working for you. We are all unique. And there may be foods that are commonly deemed as healthy that in reality are causing so much inflammation in your body and making you maybe fatigued and tired. You may be craving sugar. And that's another thing. I'm going to be teaching you so many mindfulness tools and helping you implement them to transform not only to help you transform your relationship with food, to feel back in control of your health. So on top of that, we'll have live fitness classes and yoga classes to give you that extra support and accountability to show up as well as meditation. So if you're wanting to start your meditation practice or continue it, 
we'll have those two. It's a holistic approach for lasting habit change. And if it interests you, you can check it out at mindfulbelly.com backslash 21 day reset. It's going to start September 20th. Now back to the show. Let's go to the interview. <laughs> Hi, Hallie. How are you? Good, Ellie. I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yes, you're so welcome. I'm so excited you're here. And so just to get started, I'd love to for people to know like who you are and what you do. Sure. So my name is Holly Love. I was born in Canada. I moved to Costa Rica 11 years ago. Uh, I opened a retreat center to facilitate my yoga teacher trainings and retreats. Um, so I'm busy doing that. And I'm a subconscious restructuring counselor. So I do a lot of counseling and personal development as well. And uh, most importantly, I am a mom. Beautiful. And I didn't, okay, so Hallie is my yoga teacher and I'm in her training and it's been amazing. And there's so much personal development in that. And I'm really excited to talk about that on this show. Um, but if you can, Hallie, I didn't even know the subconscious restructuring. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, so basically it's about working with patterns and um, specifically, you know, bringing awareness to patterns that no longer work for someone and, you know, shining the flashlight on, you know, getting to know those patterns and, you know, doing some self-discovery work as to why those patterns exist uh, and seeing, you know, the good things that those patterns have brought us and then where they limit us. And then I work with people to shift um, the limiting patterns into uh, more healthy, beneficial, goal-reaching patterns. Awesome. Thank you. And so how did this all start? How did you get into this work? Um, so I started yoga back when I was finishing high school. Uh, so many years ago, um, of the recommendation of my mom and I, you know, started going for more physical, um, physical reasons as most people do. Uh, I grew up professional figure skating, freestyle jumping. So my body was really, really tight and I had a lot of injuries. Um, so I turned to yoga uh, more for flexibility more than anything. Um, and I started to experience something different on my mat than I had ever experienced before. And I can only really describe it as like presence and like really being with myself and almost like it was a few you know, months into my, into my asana practice which is a physical practice of yoga that I, I started to get this feeling and the way I describe it, it was like, I've, I met myself for the first time and I was, I think 17 years old at that time. And so I kind of became hooked on it and wanted to learn more. Um, so that's when I started my yoga teacher trainings and really diving into the yoga philosophy. Um, I went to university and um, took like a corporate world um avenue but i kept up with my yoga practice and my yoga studies and then it was in 2007 that i opened my first yoga studio in canada and by 2010 i had three studios which i sold to move to costa rica in 2011. Um, so once i had my studios and i was teaching um, I had a bit of psychology training and criminal psychology uh, in my corporate education, and I noticed that people were having, like, I call them breakthroughs. They were crying on their mat or feeling like certain emotions after class, and they wanted to talk about them, and I didn't really know what to, to do or what advice to give them. So I started deepening my study with psychology and emotional healing, and that's when I... Um, got my diploma in subconscious restructuring to work with the, the patterns. Wow. And so something that you said really like struck me. So you, when you started yoga, it was at, for the, the physical practice, but then found this moment of like seeing yourself for the first time. So what do you feel like shifted for you? Like what was, what was the way you saw the world before versus after? 
Oh yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I would describe myself before yoga as um, really living through fear, trying to please people, um, really worried if people didn't like me. Like I, I call myself like a people pleaser, but also a people collector. <laughs> um, and that like that goes back from my, like from when I was a kid, like a, a young child in school. I remember if someone didn't like me, I would cry for days. Um, after yoga, like even those early years, like 17, 18 into my 20s, I found myself able to um, like kind of step back from the people pleasing. Um, I was fairly shy, but I became um, confident in a quiet way where I could like, like stand straight hold my head up, make eye contact, not have to say anything. Or if I said something, it would be with confidence. Um, fast forward to now in my forties, um, I'm perfectly fine with people not liking me. Um, and it's not a matter, the first question doesn't come like, oh, are, am I able to please this person? It's like, well, are we aligned? Should we have this relationship? Is it like a two-way street? And I feel like that is um, like a thousand times more <laughs> back when I was 17 or so over the mat. Yes, I feel like so many, I mean, I know I experienced this, just the, um, the people pleasing. Oh, are you still there? Oops. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Did you get that? Yeah, I got, um, it cut out the very end. Just, um, I think you said something about being seven, like versus when you were 17. Here, give me one sec. I'm going to switch networks. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Give me one sec. I'll see. Let's see. My battery's going to go here. Let me see. Um, we'll pause and then I'll, I'll switch networks. Okay, perfect. And yeah, I can, can easily crop that this part out. Um, so, Hallie, this is huge. I feel like the, the motivation for acting of like just doing things out of people pleasing. Oh, I feel like this is a really common theme. I know for myself and just women I work with who are overeating or overstressed, and a lot of times it's because of overcommitting or just kind of self-abandonment. And so what do you feel like were the, like with yoga, what about it helped you to start healing those patterns? Well, I think, um, first of all, I think there's a magical thing that happens when we, when we start practicing asana, which is the physical practice of yoga. I think its methodology is so old in the sense that it doesn't really matter where we start, we will still reap the benefit of it. Um, so once, you know, I surpassed coming to my mat for the physicality, you know, once I experienced that presence, I started studying the yoga history and philosophy, um, specifically Patanjali's eight limbs of yoga. And the very first principle of the eight limbs of yoga is a word called ahimsa. And it's the Sanskrit word. Himsa means harm, ah meaning non, so non-harm. Um, so there's 10 of those first principles, five yamas and five niyamas. But that first one, ahimsa, the first yama, really um, helped me take a step back and not only examine, you know, what I was doing to my physical body as, a, as like exercise or, you know, all the injuries I had from my skating career or, um, you know, it started, it started to help me question everything. You know, so it was like, you know, the diet phase. It's like, what should I do? Should I be vegan? Should I be vegetarian? Should I like go on a 90 day juice cleanse? Back from the fads, like all the fads that still exist out there, you know, and really um, start to examine, like, is this kind for my body? Like, does this food work for me? And sometimes the answer was yes. And sometimes it was no, but it, I really started to feel like, um, I was finally taking accountability for my health, my physical health, you know, what I was doing for exercise, what I was putting in my body, whether it was food or alcohol. Um, and also like, how kind were my thoughts to myself, which was a big one. How kind were my thoughts about other people? How kind, like how 
um, am I communicating in a non-harmful way to myself and to others? So just that very first principle of yoga started to really stretch my mind in um, basically self-love and kindness. Yes. And for people who may be listening that have a really harsh inner critic or just self-talk, um, do you have anything to, that you would offer them? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, journaling, I'm a huge fan of intentional journaling. Um, and here's the thing, here's the, the preface I have when it comes to the self-work, or we can call it personal development, is that when we start to look at the tools, even yoga and meditation and all the things we think are like good for us, that those can also become a trap, right? So each one of the tools have the potentiality to feed um, the limiting pattern that we're in fact trying to stop, right? So moving forward into the, the harsh inner critic, it's helpful to journal, but journal, you know, intentionally journal for the purpose of, of self-discovery of, you know, investigating where, what those, those inner critic thoughts are and where they come from and why you have them. Um, and also setting a time limit for it. Cause sometimes people can go down the rabbit hole with this stuff and then it becomes like just another way to feed the limiting patterns. Um, so I would suggest intentional journaling with the points I had just mentioned, but for a certain amount of time, maybe 30 minutes to one hour max. And then, you know, once you have those limiting thoughts down on paper and you've done the invest investigation with them, then it's time to look at, okay, what is it that I want to create, you know? And when it comes to the tools about self-discovery, I love working off uh, the method that I created called the six bodies. So do you want me to explain those? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So, so the six bodies are first physical body and they're in order of the ones that are most easily um, connectable. So first, the physical body, it's tangible. We all have a physical body. Um, the second one is our mental or cognitive body. So all of our thoughts. The third one is the emotional body. And that has to do with our six emotions, which are um, love, a joy, the six emotions, which are joy, fear, anger, contentment, discontentment, and sadness. So the emotional body, we can bring in ahimsa, the first principle of yoga, and start to question like, how kind are we to ourselves when we're angry? Do we allow ourselves a really responsible place to express our anger? And the same with all of the other emotions, because we're humans, we're designed to feel them. Um, which, you know, the emotional body is big because um, that can be such a driver for, you know, um, external behaviors that may not serve us, like over drinking, over dieting, overeating, over shopping, etc. Um, so emotional body is the third body. The fourth body is the energetic body, which I describe as our vibe, the energy that we give off. Um, a really great example that most people can connect to is if someone is angry and they walk into a room of people without them even saying anything, you can like, ooh, you can feel that intense anger, right? So we have physical number one, mental number two, emotional number three, energetic number four, number five is the intellectual body. And that's similar to cognitive or to our mental because it's related to thoughts, but the difference is intellectual is only related to our new thoughts. So only our new thoughts, our new learnings, our insights, anything new. So we really start to build the intellectual body going back to the intentional journaling when we see all of our limiting patterns down on paper, and then we start to, to question like, okay, so how do I want to shift this pattern? What new behavior or what new thought can I bring in 
to create something new. So intellectual is only related to new thoughts, new ideas, okay? And then the sixth and final body is the spiritual body. And that one is really very individual and really self-defined. Some people describe it as their um, connection to their religion or a certain God or goddess, um, or you know, some people describe it as their inner light, their spirit, their connection to nature. Um, for me, I describe it as my intuition. So the idea is, is that once the previous five bodies are somewhat balanced, then I'll have a clear connection to my intuition. Um, so the six bodies is a really great tool also um, to use. And you can take that into the intentional journaling, right? So you can journal about the limiting patterns. You can journal about the six bodies. Um, I really like to do a six bodies check-in every single morning before I wake up and every single night before I go to bed. I used to do it in writing. Once you create the new pattern of doing that, you can just leave out the journal and it's a mental check-in. And could you take us to like a quick check-in of like what that might look like? Yeah, for sure. So if you ask me right now, okay, Hallie, what's your six bodies check-in? I'd say physically I'm feeling sore because I used to do a workout. Um, mentally, I'm feeling clear. Um, emotionally, I'm feeling pretty content. And intellectually, I'm feeling stimulated because I'm working on a, a manual, a new manual. And spiritually, I feel connected. I'm going to go back and restate the six emotions. Okay. So the six emotions are fear, anger, joy, contentment, discontentment, and sadness. Perfect. What do you notice for yourself, ways that we avoid those emotions? This is another good question. Um, so I was someone that didn't like anger because of my my past experience with my mom. Um, she used to get really, really angry. So I had this aversion to anger since I was little. And when I moved here, when I moved to Costa Rica, every time I became angry, I would turn to my yoga mat. So every time I, I got angry at my husband or like the situation happened that, you know, evoked anger, I would literally go to my mat and do like three to five hours of asana. I ate super healthy did like light cleanses every now and again, didn't eat. I ate better back then than I do now, honestly. Um, and then one day I had a gallbladder attack. I couldn't move the whole um, right side of my body. If it was on my left side, I would have thought it was a heart attack, but it was on my right side. I was in my thirties, super healthy, um, very fit. And um, when you look at the, the liver gallbladder organs, they relate in traditional Chinese medicine to the emotion of anger and frustration. So I met with um, one of my business partners who's a, a TCM doc and she told, she told me you have, you're having a gallbladder attack, you need to start expressing your anger. And so I'm like, I do express my anger, I go on my yoga mat and it's, that's not how we do it. You know, we can't, we really have to, that's what I, I mentioned earlier, we have to hold a really um, safe and responsible, and I call it a sacred space to start exploring our emotions and expressing them in a way that is new. And we can't collapse that exploration or that expression onto something that we already do. So for instance, I can't go because I practice yoga every day. I can't say my yoga practice is a way for me to, to connect to my sadness right? I have boxers that are my clients and they're like, oh, my anger is good. I just bring it when I'm, when I'm boxing or swimmers, you know, that, that say they do little screams, like every breath to express like their emotions. So um, what I recommend is to work with someone at first, because it is, it is helpful to have someone there. Cause it's kind of like, especially, especially if you're someone that's not used to expressing, you know, once you tap into that, it could be like the well that erupts, you know, like a, a water starts coming out and you're like, ah, you can't put the lid back on. So it is helpful to have someone, you know, there with you, preferably someone trained in emotional expression. Um, so for me, you know, I'm not a big swimmer. I go to the ocean once in a while, um, but I have a regular expression, um, which back then was all about anger where I would go and scream underwater for 10 minutes, inhale above water, 
exhale, like screaming really, really deep. Like for the ladies, I always say scream from your uterus. You know, it's not like, ah, ah, your throat will get really sore and you won't get that big of a, an expression from it. So once, um, you know, I'm a fan of looking at all of the emotions separately and seeing which ones you're okay with expressing, which ones you're holding on to. So the beginning part of that underwater expression, you know, which can be done in a, in a, in a tub, a bathtub um, or a bowl of water, you know, and I like that one because water's dense, sound doesn't travel. You can't really hear anybody doing that. Um, you could do it outside as well if you don't have neighbors around. <laughs> um, I've done this with groups of people before in cities and the police have shown up. So just, you know, set it up responsibly. Um, so back to the expression, if you're, if you, Ellie, tell me that you hold on, you're not really, you know, comfortable expressing anger or sadness, I'd say, okay, we're going to go to the pool. You're going to do a six bodies check-in before, set the timer for 10 minutes. This scream is going to be all about sadness and you'll have that intention and you'll just have sadness in your mind and you'll scream, 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 scream for 10 minutes. You'll hop out, do a six bodies check-in. Next one, you'll focus on anger. So once you feel like those emotions are more, um, you know, balanced versus so up and down, like you hold, 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 and then blow, that's a typical pattern. I hold, 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 and then something happens and rah, it's that big expression on some person. Then you feel bad afterwards. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. So um, once the emotions start to balance out, that's when you can just take it as like an emotional expression. So, you know, maybe if you're working on anger and sadness, you're doing this like once a day, once you feel it balancing out, you're just doing it for maintenance once a week, once every two weeks. And the voice is so powerful because I always call our voice in these, in these emotional expressions as like doing yoga for ourselves, um, because Western science has proven that a woman's voice, the vibration of their voice can be felt all the way down in their cervix. So the vibration on our cells um, is really healthy to do. In Eastern medicine, it's stated that every single disease is caused from the malfunction of a single cell. So when we start to um, work with our cells from the inside out, then the energy starts to leave or that like potentiality for the disease or the malfunction to start, we're clearing that out with every vibration that we give each of our cells. Mm. And so with this, like setting the intention to say for anger, if, is it, do you have to cultivate a feeling of anger as you're screaming or is it just the intention? Like, do you need to think of something that you're angry about or like? Um, yeah, you, you definitely can. Uh, but usually, you know, especially when people are new to this kind of thing, um, a limiting pattern would come up as like, oh, don't do this. You're not angry. You don't need this right now. Like those limiting thoughts come in to try and stop us from doing it. Mm -hmm. So I just tell people like, just do the act and see what comes up. And why 10 minutes? It's because I found that by the 10 minute mark, the authenticity, you know, comes up around like six, seven minutes. So sometimes we just have to do the act, like we're acting for mm -hmm. the first like couple minutes. And then finally it like starts to take hold. Cause we have to break through that barrier of like our judgment against it. Cause it's something new. Right. And like who the heck screams underwater? Well, I do. And a bunch of people that I know do, but it's not a common thing that you meet someone and they're like, yeah, just going to go scream underwater. See you in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <Right>? So, yeah. <laughs> so we have to break through those, um, those limiting thoughts uh, to, to access that like authenticity of, you know, it's okay what we're doing and this is actually good for me and it's yoga for myself. Mm, so good. And I guess also like learning how to, how would you recommend, does this for like, like kind of pent up anger, anger that we stuff down for like the course of our lives. And then I guess moving forward, like to start being able to express it or process it in the moment versus like shoving it down. Yeah, so there's another tool that I'll share with you called shelving. So once you get a hold of the, the stuff and blow, I call it, you know, you stuff it down, stuff it, stuff it down and then blow like ah, blow it onto someone. Once you get like that under control, then out in the real world, instead of stuffing it down and then having an eruption later, 
you can do what I call shelving, which is to actually take the anger cognitively in your mind and say, I'm really pissed off right now. Oops. Is it okay if I say that? Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'm really pissed off right now. I know it's not responsible. You're thinking this in your mind, not out loud. I know it's not responsible to bring this into this conversation with these people or this person. So I'm going to physically like in my mind, take that anger and put it on a shelf. You visualize yourself doing that. So you take an object, the object is anger and put it on the shelf. The rule of shelving is you can't leave it there for longer than 24 hours or it becomes dusty. Okay, so no dust on the items on the shelf. You have to then hold yourself accountable, take it off the shelf and be like, how do I feel about this now? You know, was it just like a, a trigger? Was I just simply being triggered? Is the anger still there? Do I think I'm going to think about this tomorrow? If the answer is yes, then you go create the space for an expression. And creating the space for expression, would that be the underwater stuff or like confronting this person maybe who triggered you? The underwater, the emotional expression first. Okay. Yeah. And you know, sometimes a conversation happens, but we have to like, we have to work with the emotion. I feel anyways, in my school of thought, work with the emotion first and then have the conversation. Because conversations full of emotion rarely work out. Yeah, that makes so much sense. This is perfect. Because I think, again, most people listening to this podcast do like emotionally eat or they're using food to numb out from these kind of feelings. Or they feel the anger, maybe not in the moment reaching for food, but it is pent up and then wanting to just not think about anything when it does start to bubble up and then eat. Yeah. And so anything for that, any, um, I mean, what you've said is perfect, but anything else around like being able to feel your feelings versus using some sort of numbing agent? Yeah. I mean, it can, it can be a numbing agent can be anything from like, well, food's a common one. Alcohol's a a common one. Um, you know, for me, it's a question of, of pausing pause is another great tool, like P A U S E the pause. It's like stopping for a moment. And that's also a great way to start to train your patterns, like the automatic stuff that's happening, like the automatic reaching for the cake, the automatic reaching for the glass of tequila or wine or whatever it is. And taking that moment to pause and ask yourself, like, why do I want this? You know, and there's nothing wrong with having a little treat every once in a while or like having a couple drinks every once in a while. But for me in my practice, if you know i've had a tough day i'm feeling like worn out and you know i'm a little angry and sad um i won't reach for that thing right um i'll go do an emotional expression instead right so it's like navigating and questioning or if like my friends call me and they're like hey do you want to go out and have some some wine and i'm like you know what I had a good day and like, I want to celebrate with you guys and yes, I'll be there. Yeah. Cause, cause there's another, there's another side of the coin here that could also start to feel our limiting patterns of like not being good enough or, um, you know, not being lovable or whatever it is. We all have a main thought, which we can talk about later. Um, but sometimes what feeds that main, that main thought is like rigidity and, you know, it's like, it's great to like be healthy and like eat good food, but you know, I like to take the, the rigidness out of that, you know, and, um, really start to question and have people be accountable. It's like, yes, I'm going to have it and I'm going to enjoy it just a little bit and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Right. And I think that's, that's a really, um, holistic way that we can live um, with, you know, with creating the healthy relationship with food or alcohol or whatever, exercise with anything. Totally. And how do you feel like yoga and meditation help with this around like practicing the pause and being able to like catch ourselves when we're basically like pausing to know what is my intention here about reaching for this food or drink? Yeah, um, that's a great question also. Well, the second principle in the the eight limbs of yoga is a word called satya, S-A-T-Y-A, and that means truthfulness. So, 
you know, when we do the pause, it's one thing to like, like just stop and be like, oh, why do I want this? But if we want to bring in that ancient wisdom that's around for thousands of years um, because it works, you know, I question, is this kind? Do I really want this right now? Is this truthfully what I need or feel like that I want? And, you know, a lot of people are surprised, myself included, to the answers to those questions. When we take time to pause and ask those questions, is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it truthful? Is it really what I want right now? Yeah. Why do I want this right now? Is it my emotions? Like we all have a pretty good idea. You know, once you do a six bodies check-in, you have a pretty good idea where you're at. And I mean, if we have like this certain go-to, everything's patterns in, in my in my study um, with subconscious restructuring. So we all, you know, once we start to organize everything, we can sort of, I mean, everything being our internal world, the six bodies, the six emotions. Once we start to see that on paper, we can get a pretty clear idea as to um, what our pattern, our holding patterns are. And from there, it becomes a little easier to work with them. You know, because usually the automatic is like, oh, I'm angry. I'm going to reach for the cake or the bottle. And it's like, well, hold on, pause. How kind am I being? Well, I'm not being kind if I'm stuffing down my anger. Mm -hmm. So that those patterns become become clear after like a short discovery and investigation. Totally. This is so important. I, and, and I feel like it's also learning how to, like you said, with the truthfulness, I think it's so powerful to be able to really be true. Cause sometimes it's hard to hear what we know, <laughs> like what we know is the truth. It's hard to pause and like actually want to hear it from our, even if it's from ourselves. Yeah. I always say we only know what we know. And that's kind of like where we build our intellectual body, right? Is like with that curiosity, like, oh, why do I want this? Because sometimes, I mean, I'm sure you've seen this in your line of work as well. Sometimes I have a, a counseling client and there's like not even a problem, but they're making a problem because of their guilt, because they're, they feel guilty. So everything they do, every external thing they do, they're feeling bad about, they're feeling guilty, but really um, what they're doing is okay. It's more of like an internal issue, you know? It's like someone's like, oh, I need to like really cut down on sugar. I'm such like, I'm so overweight or blah, blah, blah. And I meet them and they're like a normal, regular size and they're eating like a sweet once a week. And I'm like, ooh, okay, well that what's like for me, that's okay. Like, why do you have such a problem with it? And then we trace it back to the, the harboring of the emotions of feeling guilty, not good enough, always bad, that kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. and then yes. that's where the rigidity Sorry. thing can come in right that's where the rigidity can come in and we can kind of investigate why that's happening that's happened to me with clients with alcohol as well you know and it's like hey maybe there's not a problem but let's work on some moderation like moderation is okay that's also a principle in yoga called brahmacharya um another principle and it's all about like moderation and um allowing holding space for yourself to enjoy the things you enjoy without losing presence you know and I think this is so much that you just said here I like could go on 12 different tangents but I want to start with the addiction like what you said to guilt or like having that uh, there just be this underlying thing and then always feeling guilty about all the actions and and I see this too even with almost just like a constant need to heal or like a constant need to be either lose weight or on a diet and it's just like almost like addicted to that pattern or maybe not the addicted's not the right word but just that is just the loop and so it doesn't matter there's no end point because you're you're just always going to be seeking and I think Paul Selig says such a good quote it's like a man who believes I'm butchering it but a man who believes he's dirty will never be cleansed and it was like we'll always seek cleansing and so I guess for you, what, what tools can we do for like, for the guilt example to start healing that? Just hold on. There's a big truck driving by. Oh yeah. Can you hear it or no? Uh -uh. Oh, okay. It stopped right at my driveway. 
um so the question was oh the guilt so so when we look at guilt in within the emotional body so first of all when we look at the six human emotions any other emotion that we describe as like love or like rage or guilt can plug into any one of those main categories um so guilt is usually plugged into the emotion of fear right so we usually feel guilty because of um, a thought we have about ourselves so if i have a thought that i'm not good enough and i go and like eat a piece of cake and then afterward i'm like oh i'm such a loser i ate the cake i'm not i wasn't supposed to have cake until friday and now it's thursday and like whatever i'm just gonna go eat the whole cake out of that guilt so so we can take you know the the emotion of guilt and start to express it just the same way as we would anger or sadness just with the intention of guilt and um really mapping out like what's acceptable and um you know what what's acceptable to us for real like truthfully in bringing in the practice of satya what's really kind to ourselves like is it okay to have that piece of cake once a week or maybe it's okay to have the cake twice a week it, it's really individualistic and i think you know having um the tool of the six bodies really provides a macro picture for us to see you know what's acceptable for us you know and then once we see what's acceptable for us, then we can start examining like, where do we want to take this? You know, and um, like, what goals do we want to have within each of the six bodies? Because sometimes our goals are actually traps and the goals in fact are coming from the limiting thoughts or limiting thought itself. So that is why I'm I'm such a fan of like writing out the six bodies, the six emotions and the limiting thoughts. Yeah. And can we talk about like you mentioned like a main thought, like everyone has like a main thought and how um, to identify. Yeah. So yeah. So everyone has a main limiting thought. How I like to look at the limiting thought, the story of Good Wolf, Bad Wolf. Um, so there is a story about a grandfather and a grandson sitting down at a river together and they start talking about life. The grandfather says to the grandson, you know, son, each one of us has two wolves that live within us. One is called the good wolf and one is called the bad wolf. And the little boy asks, oh, grandpa, like which one's stronger? And the grandpa replies, whichever one you feed the most. And the little boy asks, well, how do we feed the bad wolf? And he said, we feed the bad wolf with um, greed, with um, harboring emotions or over expressing, expressing emotions. Um, we feed the bad wolf with um, mistruths or half truths or like outright lies. We feed um, the bad wolf with complacency, um, with, with ego, um, with feeling not good enough, with always wanting more etc and he went on to say we feed the good wolf with our life's purpose um, balance moderation uh, healthy um, expression of the six human emotions uh, with with work like personal work personal discovery work um, accountability listening responsibly etc etc um, so when we start to examine the bad wolf, um, there's like that one main core belief, which I call, and it, and it comes up in the form of an I am statement. So some common ones are, I am not good enough. I'm not wanted. I'm unloved. I'm not lovable. I'm stupid. I'm not smart. It all has to boil down to self-worth. Um, so it's whatever one, there's two things I have to say about this. It's the one that you can think of that has a bit of a sting in your heart or that might evoke like a couple tears in your eyes. It's kind of like, a, ooh, that one, ooh, it's that one. That one does not feel good, right? And um, the second thing about your, your core I am statement is we receive them between the ages of two 
two years old and around seven or eight year old eight years old and that's because the part of our brain that develops in that time gives us a capability to judge the first thing we judge is ourselves it's like psychology 101 um so each human being has a core limiting belief statement i am that we we created when we were a child so i like to call um that ego the child ego and so in yoga everyone's like i'm transcending my ego i'm like which one because we have three so there's the child ego within bad wolf and then we have the parent ego which forms just after the child ego and its job is to protect the child ego that's also in bad wolf so bad wolf has two egos the child ego which is more like a victim doormat i'm so dumb nobody likes me i'm not good enough catch this i'm going to prove on how smart i am so those are the two egos that live in bad wolf and then on the opposite side of good wolf we have the adult ego and the adult ego is the one that is like whoa hold on a second what's happening here I have this feeling, what is it? Oh, it's anger, but it, I, it's not appropriate for me to express this anger now. So I'm going to shelf it until later. I'm going to create the space to express my anger responsibly. Um, within adult ego is also um, core values. So I, I work a lot with, um, with core values, like what are the most important human characteristics to you? Uh, for me, it's empowerment. So I wake up every day and my goal is to empower. My goal is to deliver um, to every single person I cross paths with that day exactly what they need, whether it's like a yoga class, a meditation, um, a personal development client, um, or sometimes it's a hug or a smile, or sometimes it's a boundary. So um, that's kind of how I break down the limiting thoughts. So to recap, we have good wolf and bad wolf. Within bad wolf are the two egos of child ego the i am statement and parent ego and then in good wolf we have the adult ego which is our core values our life's purpose our mission and all the healthy stuff essentially mm -hmm. yes thank you for explaining that and so when so just to recap too when parent ego or child child ego like you can see that flaring up what is the what is the process i think a lot of people will can just avoid that or, or want to just like hush it. So like, what's the approach to be able to like speak to that? Well, the approach that, that I often tell people is it's not trying to get rid of bad wolf because it's impossible. We can't get rid of our ego. It's impossible. Maybe when we die, I don't know what happens, but when we're here on this planet with like a functioning brain, we will always have bad wolf. We will always have parent ego and we will always have child ego. So it's not like, it's not a thing of like, ew, I don't want this. I want to get rid of it. It's about like, hey, come into my heart and like, let's be whole together. You know, cause if, you know, I tell people um, when I do this work with them, I'm like, get a picture of yourself when you were a kid between two and seven years old and look at that kid, you know, when you do your, your, your healing work, because it's like, um, for me, that was a game changer. I have a picture of myself when I was like four on my bulletin board on my desk. Um, and it's like, yeah, geez, that's my bad wolf. This like poor scared little girl. So why would I want to push her down the road and kick her away? I want to bring her in. So I always tell people, it's like, do the work, lean into your bad wolf, explore, look at your thoughts, start to like really examine your patterns with a, with a lightness, you know, bringing the light into the dark um, and not, not really making it like a going down Debbie Downer road. Cause it, it can be kind of scary cause it's new. Um, but there's a lot of benefit from, from going there. You know, I always say like within bad wolves, not bad, by the way, it's not like a bad thing, like a cold that we want to get rid of. Well, I just call it bad wolf cause of the story. <laughs> I tried to rename them like fearful wolf and courageous wolf, but it was, it just didn't work out. Um, so it's not like we want to get rid of bad wolf. We want to bring bad wolf in and learn how to work with it. Cause all bad wolf is, is the unhealed parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And looking also 
that bad wolf got us a lot of great things along the way, not being aware of it. For me, it got me a couple of like degrees, diplomas, um, really nice cars, nice shoes. <laughs> Cause I was like, my, my bad wolf is I'm not wanted. So um, that came from, um, I grew up with my grandparents, my mom's parents. And it was, uh, my grandparents told me one day, I think I was like five or four, we were at the kindergarten. And I mean, I knew my grandparents were my grandparents and I, I knew my mom she didn't live with us, but she came around every once in a while, really angry. That's why I didn't want like to express anger. And we were in like a kindergarten looking at the school and I kept looking at them and I was looking at the other parents and my grandpa's like, what's wrong? I'm like, why are you, you guys are like way older than everyone here. And he's like, yeah, we're your, we're your grandparents. And I'm like, well, where are the other grandparents? And um, my grandpa's like, well, they're not here. The kids' parents are here. And I was like, well, where are my parents? And he's like, they didn't want you. We have you. And like, he didn't mean it mm. to hurt me, but just him saying it, he was very matter of fact, you know? And, um, and I was like, oh my God, I'm not, my parents didn't want me. And from that day forward, I became, I'm unwanted. So throughout my younger years, until I started doing this work and, and getting educated and doing the self-discovery, um, my, my child ego was, I'm unwanted. Um, my parent ego was like, I'll show you how good I am. Right. So mm -hmm. my child ego was like, people please and please like me and I'll do anything for you to be my friend. And parent ego is like, I'll show you how cool I am and then you'll be my friend. Right. Mm -hmm. And adult ego sitting back like, <laughs> just get connected to your core values, girlfriend. You can do it. <laughs> this is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. And do you feel like I wanted to ask you about the concept of spiritual bypassing mm -hmm. um, and kind of the back and forth between? kind of maybe like you mentioned earlier kind of getting stuck in like constantly healing or like mm -hmm. getting like just constantly feeling like you're working on yourself or versus then I also think like law of attraction stuff like focusing on the what you want to bring in and when it becomes that you're maybe avoiding healing so like the two sides of it, if does that make sense? Is that a clear question? Yeah, yeah, it totally does. Um, I really think that's, that's individual uh, for people. Um, you know, we all come from different backgrounds, different traumas, sometimes no trauma. Um, and I think, I think what's important to remember is for me, like the good wolf, bad wolf, six bodies um, and the three egos system, um, those are really foundational. And I think once we dig into the foundation, we become really anchored and grounded into um, like an understanding of ourselves, like a really logical understanding. And then I think once we have that understanding, then we can create the appropriate healing path for ourselves. I think the problem is without that foundational understanding, people are grasping and it's very ungrounded and it can sometimes be really unsafe. Right. So I think um, foundation first and then create the appropriate plan for yourself, you know, because sometimes things are going OK and it's OK to be happy. You know, it does like it because because other people are sad and going through their journey, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to find something to work on. You know, I, 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 off, I post about that a, a few times, like it's OK to be happy. Don't hide your happiness just like it's okay to be sad it's okay to be angry and I think that um like taking spirituality and our healing work um and keeping it light is is necessary and and you know also not putting people on pedestals if someone comes to me and they're like I'm a guru I'm a healer I'm like bye because <laughs> it's like for me I really believe we're all equal and we all have the power to heal ourselves. And I think, especially this day and age, there's too much um, guru mentality, pedestal putting. And I just don't think that's healthy for anyone. I don't think it's healthy for the person on the pedestal. And I don't think it's, it's healthy for the people looking up, you know, because I really believe like with that foundational study that we really do all have the power um, to heal ourselves. When my clients come to me, my, my counseling clients, I'm like, my goal is for you not to need me. That's my goal. 
I used to sell 10 packs. I don't sell 10 packs anymore because I'm like, my goal is to have you into your foundation way before 10 sessions. Mm. Not to like, you know, keep them hooked and coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that thing that about it's okay to be happy. Yeah. So it comes for me, it comes down to balance. And I mean, you know, back when I first started the work, I was doing it a lot, you know, and then as things started to stabilize and, and, you know, balance out, I'm like, okay, I don't need to do that anymore as much, you mm. know, it's not like I'm healed and now I'm the guru and now I have, yeah. all the, it's like, okay, I've, I've really processed that. I've worked through it. Um, it's okay now. It's okay until something else happens and then we process it. Mm. Um, you know, for me, there was a time when I couldn't tell that story about my grandparents and my mom without completely breaking down and crying. So I think that, you know, once we, we do that foundational work and we have a logical understanding and we can share without that, that emotional grip or like stuffing it down, like, oh, I'm not going to say that. You know, I think once we can share and talk, then the, the healing has, has definitely happened. Maybe not completely, but it's definitely on the other side where we can work a little less on it. Yeah, thank you. And for anyone new to this, like brand new to self-development or yoga, what would you say like first step? And you mentioned a little bit of this, but I guess like just first step they should take. Well, um, I mean, the yoga philosophy is really great. Like you can Google the yamas and the niyamas and look at the yoga philosophy um, and get a lot from that. And then, you know, just maybe revisiting this podcast and listening to the good wolf, bad wolf story, the explanation of the three egos, um, the six bodies, starting your six bodies check-ins um and and looking at the six emotions and seeing how balanced you are there uh, I think that is a really great start yes and also I do want to mention your yoga training because this is your teacher training just to for anyone listening is you don't have to become a yoga teacher just to do the training and it's like so much of what Hallie's talked about is what we do in teacher training so Hallie would you want to speak to your training? Sure. I wish I could call it a life training, but I think if I did, nobody would come. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, you have done all of this foundational work already and you're about not even halfway through your training. Um, so I always start my trainings with this foundational personal development work. Um, and then we build, um, you know, all the other aspects of yoga, the pranayama, the meditation, um, the postures, everything else comes on top of that because this is really the foundation, you know? So I offer um, the trainings in Costa Rica and also virtually. I'm soon to have each of the modules available for online informational study um, as well for just people wanting more information. Um, but now until December, um, I have a permit from the International Yoga Alliance to host virtual, um, but I have it open to anyone in the training to come hang out with me in Costa Rica anytime, which you did um, earlier on. And so, yeah, it's, um, what else can I say? It's, um, I love them. I learned so much, even facilitating the information. They evolve every training. I mean, Ellie, you were kind of in the last one, the February one, bits and pieces of it, and now you're in your official June start. And I mean, it's like the stuff's already shifted a little bit because I, I constantly believe that, um, not constantly believe, I believe that the teachers that, you know, are constant students, I'm um, not grasping, but like feeding their knowledge and their own personal practice and their own study um, really are able to deliver um, the wisdom, like the ancient wisdom into the modern time effectively. Yes. And for, yeah. And you just as a teacher you're so passionate and and so genuine and so it's for anyone listening who's interested like definitely reach out to Hallie and I can put your information in the show notes cool yeah well yay well thank you so much and is there any any closing words that you'd like to leave people with um yeah just remember that you're not different than anybody else 
we all have good wolf, we all have bad wolf, we've all done things that we're not proud of. Um, we all have limiting thoughts about ourselves, we've all made mistakes. And so I think, you know, when people start to, to seek out healing or, you know, personal development, more oftentimes than not, they feel different. So just remember you're not different and that you are supported. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes.